This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi guys and welcome back to your weekly Stoke City podcast, Every Step Along The Way. So this week we'll discuss the loss versus Luton, we'll discuss the hot topic that is Michael O'Neill's position at the club, the news from around the club this week and of course we'll look ahead to Bournemouth this weekend. And as always, uh, welcome back to the pod, Andy. How are you doing, mate? You okay? All right, a little bit tired after I've, you know, started getting back into the workplace, but we're doing well. Too many backstrokes, mate. Too many backstrokes and front crawls. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm sure you haven't been quite that energetic, but how are you, Dan? You okay, mate? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good, mate. Thank you very much. I've, uh... Yes, slightly demoralised by you know the lack of a playoff push that we seem to be doing. But yeah, I'm all right other than that. Bearing up under the strains, got a date for the baby and all that business, so it's all, oh, yeah. all countdown now. Oh, if you're happy to disclose it on air, mate, when's the potential date? Uh, well, she's uh, she's booked in for a cesarean on March the twenty second. Twenty second, but yeah. She's going in Sunday uh, in hospital, admitted Sunday, having a Tuesday. So I've said, make sure it's a Tuesday and not a Wednesday because Wednesday's recording night. I've said this, mate, as she's pushing, you're going to have your headset plugged in. You're going to be, <laughs> it, it, you'll, you'll do what you need to do. You need to get priorities in order. Exactly. Um, <laughs> this is it. <laughs> and if she's a reasonable person, she'd understand. Um, but yeah, anyway. Um, we're actually recording this on a Thursday instead of the normal Wednesday that we normally do. <laughs> um, now, the reason we did that is firstly because I think we were all mentally exhausted uh, yesterday. I think, I don't know what point in the game it was, Dan, but me and you messaged each other and you're like, I think you just said, shall we just call it for tonight? Like, as in, we just can't can't discuss this tonight. Um, yeah, by, by, so, time yeah. by the time everybody got home, sorted out, you know, settled down, got ready and sort of onto the uh, the recording devices it would have been yeah and the other one would have been th- looking looking more thinking can I just go to bed just forget about this forget about tonight <laughs> yeah yeah and I think everyone wishes they could forget about last night to be honest but um anyway yeah so as you can probably kind of tell uh I think everyone's feeling a little bit deflated a little bit to be honest with you um I think when we came into these 
kind of two games, especially the Birmingham and the Luton game. I think everyone was looking at these as, you know, Luke, if, if we go and win both games, then we've got a, a decent enough chance. We can stay, we basically, we can say that we're still in it. Um, and I think obviously after the Birmingham draw, you're still half an eye on it. And I think obviously losing as badly as we did against Luton, um, you know, I think this is the, I think people are emotional because this is probably the first time this season it's all of a sudden season's pretty much over. And I think it's the first time that people are feeling that right now. I think the hope of playoffs is is well and truly gone. I know we've got the cup and O'Neill's going to bang on about the cup now, um, especially if we get through. You know, that's going to be probably our only saving grace to this season. Now, a couple of things I just want to pick up on and I'll let you two um, kind of chip in. But I think I was listening to the bits that Angela Smith mentioned the other night as well. Um, and at one point it was mentioned that it was like watching kids kick a ball around in a playground. And I think that's a bit of an insult to kids kicking a ball around in a playground. Um, I thought at times it was an embarrassment for championship football. I mean, there seemed to be no plan whatsoever. The amount of times, you know, more, I mean, Harwood Ballas, that was his worst performance of the, of, of the season for us so far. But mm-hmm. either way, they were just lumping it along. Powell, it was his normal influence himself, couldn't do a thing right. Um, the only player for me that can come out of any credit is Joe Allen. Same the with only, me, Yeah. He, he did anything amazing, but you know, he tracked back. He tried to get forward. He was involved, and I think, yeah, for, for me, that that was the. I think I think that's the big crux of what I take from last night is that it's it's the first time this season. I think it's over. I think it's done. Um, and if all's we've got to say at the end of this season is that we have a better squad, which I definitely think we do have a better squad overall. If that's the only thing we can take out of it, and we made no improvements on last season other than that, I think you can definitely say that this season's been a failure. Well, this season was meant to be a playoff push, wasn't it, from the get from the get go. But yeah. the the one thing I that does annoy me about Michael O'Neill's transfer strategy is he sells players in the summer and then recruits in January. That's what I get out of it. Like to be fair, props to him with his January transfer window, it's been brilliant. Yeah. But he didn't do too much great recruitment in the summer, I don't think. But he has kept on to those valuable players like Joanne, who yet again is showing the class he has got. Yeah, exactly that, mate. And I think one one player that we, I know you'll want to have a comment on here, and I'm sure, Dan, you'll, you'll be the same, but um, Tyrese Campbell, that guy's come in through a lot of criticism in the last couple of games. Now, at times, yes, Tyrese could probably track back a little bit more, which is actually something I thought he did plenty of last night, actually. He did a lot of it um, last night take him out of that team last night, we probably don't have a shot on target. Apart because from Baker's no goal. Else. Yeah, obviously, yeah, but exactly that. Ball, I think he was the only other one who gave us the other shot on target. Probably was, mate. It, it was... I just I don't get it. And I know a lot of people, you know, uh, Rory on Twitter asked us to discuss the abuse that, that, you know, that Tyrese is getting. Um, and yeah, absolutely, mate. I mean, you were asked to... Or you commented on something I yeah. think I saw the other day uh, about Tyrese, and um, I think somebody got assaulted in the toilets. Yeah, someone um, got assaulted uh, in the booth in the toilets for backing him up. Like I, I replied to a comment saying that it was like playing with ten men with Campbell. He doesn't offer anything out wide. Where has he played when he's come back out wide? What has he done? Well, he's managed to score two against Birmingham. They didn't say anything bad about him there. 
But no matter what he does, he will get a stick. Obviously, he's come through the academy. He's come from Man City's academy. Maybe people see him extremely highly of that. But I don't think Powell played well last night. Wilmot didn't play well last night. Timon didn't play well last night. Magic, people had to go at him. He he couldn't do anything. Yeah, he had nothing service. to do. And, mate, Bursic gets stick. But I think the goals that he conceded are, you know, stereoty- they're stereotypical goals that you're going to concede. It's not like the shot straight at him. The low-driven crosses that are hard to deal with and you don't really know where they're going to go. No keeper in the world, mate. It's first first one, the, the, that, that cross that comes in, I mean, Timon, I think O'Neill said it was part of his hamstring, which is the reason that he, he didn't get yeah. to it. For me, I mean, use the hamstring excuse if you want, you know, Michael, but it, that that's that's not an excuse. It was poor defending. You know, he's gone in front of his man. The keeper's getting nowhere near that, so you cannot blame Joe for that one. The corner, firstly, the build to the corner wasn't even a blinking... Uh, it, it wasn't to throw it. The, the goal, the ball had gone out for a goal kick and the referee and the linesman didn't see it. So obviously the, the play's carried on and they've got a corner from it. So um, from there, it's absolutely shocking defending. They've let Jerome just just went his way into the box, side foot into the net. Again, keeper can't be blamed for that. So Joe and, well, the two Joes have probably got no, no arguments last night for me. Um, the rest of them, should be ashamed to take a wage, quite frankly. And people, again, we asked on Twitter if there's anything people want to discuss. Now, everybody wanted us to discuss O'Neill um, and whether, you know, the time's come for him to go, whether, again, we'll go through poll results on that shortly. But, um, Dan, whereabouts do, uh, do you stand on the whole O'Neill in, out, shake it all about, mate? Well, I mean, there was a comment on Twitter, wasn't there, that said, you know, who who do you think should be the state manager? And I said I commented and said there's all, there's one one person for me, um, and I've said you know, I'd reveal it on here, and that one person is Michael O'Neill. I, okay. I think one hundred percent he should still be the manager. Uh, I hear what Andy was saying before about selling in the summer, recruiting in January. The the thing is, he, since he's since he's come into the football club, he had an absolute you know. An absolute mess of a dressing room when he took over. He had egos galore, uh, and he and he sat. You know, the 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 the, the um, you know, <laughs> the inmates were running the asylum, weren't they? When Jones was here, yeah, that was it. And you know, he had no control over, and that's why he failed. That's why he got the sack. And he and so he's come in there. He's had to get all these egos into check. He's had to get. Everybody out who didn't want to be here, and, he, and he's been strict. He's not fallen into the trap of Jones where he's tried to reintegrate people like and die and that. You know, he hasn't given anybody. If, if you'd shown at some point that you thought you were bigger than this club, out the door. And he's had to be strong with that. And he's probably, talent wise, cut his nose off despite his face. But in the long run, he's built a dressing room now that play for each other. And that is something that we hadn't had for a, you know for a good four or five years before he come in, ever since probably the last say twelve eighteen months of Mark, Mark Hughes's reign. Okay. The other thing is, all the money was spent before he got here. Wanted it was a bit like you know the the, the cupboards are bare. There's nothing you, we're not allowed to. Well, actually, the cupboards are full, <laughs> but we haven't got the lock to to you know yeah. to get to the money on. It's the nine p nine p cans of beans that are left on the shelf in it. Yeah, yeah, we, we we can see. Yeah, someone's we've we've hid all the money in the cupboard, but we haven't got the key to unlock it. 
because of FFP. That's the problem. And to me, he's come in, he's had his hands tied um, since he's come in and he's, he's wheeled and dealed. Like Sam Surridge, he's brought Surridge. You know, Surridge, Surridge didn't work out and he was ruthless. He said, there you go. No, not working out. Get him out the door, get him gone and bring in somebody else. And I think as well, when he's going from window to window, I don't think he really knows. I don't think the club know window to window how much money he has got to spend, what the wage bill can be. So I think that might be why we are selling players, recruiting players, more players here, selling more players and releasing, getting rid of players at different points because I think it's it's a balancing act and has been for a good couple of years now. So for you then, is this summer... the because a lot of people will say, Luke, you know, okay, Sorridge, um, he signed him and, you know, he's wasted a couple of million quid. Well, obviously he hasn't because we've got the money back. So, fair enough. Every manager in the world, Alex Ferguson made bad signings. Uh, every single manager in the world makes bad signings. So, you've got to forgive a manager for that. At least he's tried. We you know, we, we were lucky and, and recruited young enough to get some money back. But, um, you know, people can start... I, t- I tell you what, Mike. So I've, got... I've heard people clambering for a certain former manager... And he made his fair share of poor signings. The capped one? Yes. I've, it must admit, I've not seen Tony Pelosi's name mentioned on social media. I've seen it quite um, a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm not yeah. being funny. You know me, I'm a big... I, I really enjoyed Pulis's time. Um, there's no scenario where Tony Pulis returns to this club. No. For me. Um, I th- I th- we've think, been there. Yeah, as much... Twice. Yeah, and I think he, you know, he was fantastic while he was here. It was the right time for him to leave when he did, and I think that his recent roles, especially at Middlesbrough, his, his most recent one, showed that football has developed beyond what his style allows. If you know what I mean. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, Andy. So, um, again, people were saying, Luke, if. When is the right time or the wrong time for O'Neill to go? I'm with you, Dan. Just I'll put my neck on the block actually a little bit. So I, don't, I definitely don't think he should leave. And the reason I don't think he should leave is probably for the reason that I think we'd all probably say on this particular pod is that there's no body, no body, no body <laughs> to uh, <laughs> replace him. I'm sure there's a body out there, but which wants to replace him? But um, yeah, either way, there's nobody better. No, I'm I'm sure there'll be people listening to this and they go, oh, you know, Slavin Bilic, and uh, you know, they mention names like example. that and. Yeah, the, the, I'm looking at the list here. So th- this isn't obviously an exclusive list, but um, if I re- it's a read in reverse order, pretty much. Um, so Sol Campbell, uh, no thank you very much. Uh, Paul Lambert, no Neil- thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Neil, War- <laughs> Neil Warnock, again, dinosaur for me, has moved on. Uh, you know, he's, he's one of them managers, though. If you are at the bottom, he, he could probably drag you out of it, but he's never, ever going to He's like the Sam Allardyce in. of the championship. He, 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 he should be looking at Barnsley. They should be bringing him in. Yorkshireman. Yeah. They, Barnsley yeah. should be looking at Neil Ward, a kind of six month contract. Uh, another one that was uh, linked with us in the distant past, Gary Monk. Another one, uh, Neil Lennon. And as you rightly said, Tony Pulis is also on the list as well. Um, for me, none of them come close to, to O'Neill. And I know a lot of people will disagree and, and all this business. And that, and that's fine. Everyone's very much entitled to their opinions. I've seen, you know, some other names mentioned and, you know, like Diego Martinez and, and people are and you're like, just like, 
who do you think we are? You know, we're not going to be able to go and get the, the you know, the, the some of the other names that have been linked. Yeah, the A-list. On that list, you've they, got, like, Andrea they're Pirlo on that and list, Zidane. Yeah. Zidane's never going to come to Stoke. No, no, but there'll be some people who think he should. He should and it's like, look, we need to get real here. We, I think people are starting to see for what we are right now, and that is nothing more than a mid-table championship team. And it's unfortunate to say that, but that's what we are. And we, we all saw a table, didn't we, um, earlier on today? And I think it was Duck Magazine who um, posted this out. Now, our form, I think, was it since West Brom? Since I'm going to try West and get Brom. it back up. Since we beat West Brom, we are fourth bottom uh, since we beat West Brom. I think we'd it's nine points out of 33 at home. Uh, that we could have got as well. Uh, I think it was nine points out of 33 in general. But either way, to be fourth from bottom, only Reading, Peterborough and Barnsley below us. You know, Bristol City above us. Hull City had a disastrous start. Swansea were an absolute pile of crap are above us in 15th. Um, the list kind of goes on. I mean, bloody Luton Town are in eighth. You know, uh, it's just... It's inconceivable to think that we are the fourth worst team since that since that West Brom game. West Brom are much better in 19th, though, are they? They're not, mate. They, they've had a ridiculous fall. But, again, West Brom will have the same opinion as us, mate. But, it, again, for me, it's just an absolute disastrous run of games. And I understand people calling him in, into question, O'Neill. I do understand it. But, like I said, a lot of it's emotional because this is officially pretty much the end of our league season we might be able to go for the cup but even that's not a foregone conclusion and someone said to me i think no actually it was dan it was you mate you said well if we beat bournemouth um all of a sudden then we've won a game we shouldn't have done we've lost the game we shouldn't have done um would you still think that we've got a chance and my honest answer was absolutely not because we cannot string anything together to give us a chance i mean i think it's nine points from sixth but 10 points with goal difference it's it's over it's done Yes, it was me who said that to you. I was just wondering, uh, you know, playing devil's advocate, are we, you know, we're no better off, no worse off than what we would have expected if we go and get three points from from the vitality. Um, but yeah, uh, well, like I say we're too inconsistent, aren't we? That that is the major issue. I heard a comment where it said we're sort of a Jekyll and Hyde type of club. We have a good side, but then we have this side where we can't string away wins, which we should. Do you know what's really interesting, right? Go on. And like, well, I said, not really interesting, but the the table you've just mentioned there, the West Brom. Mm-hmm. What happened directly after that West Brom game? Can you remember? Why was why is the form turned? Injuries galore, wasn't it? There was a two week international break. Harry Souter got injured. Nick Powell got injured shortly after. Um. Uh, Joe Bursey got injured shortly after. Uh, Remain Sawyer's got injured, didn't he, about six weeks later? He got injured at QPR. Jordan Thompson got injured that international break as well. So in that, you know, directly after the West Brom game, we lost Thompson, we lost Sawyer's. And we lose Bursey, because that was when we lost Bursey as well. Yeah, so he, he did it for your goalkeeper, your, top, your goalkeeper, your centre-half, and at, what, at the time was a valuable midfield player. All gone. You've then got a Ty- Tyrese Campbell who's, who's just, who we were trying to get fit up front. And like I say, a couple of weeks after that, we played uh, Bournemouth. Ironically, we played Bournemouth there, didn't we? And that's when Nick Powell broke his leg. So he was out. 
and then I'll say about three weeks after that, Sawyer's went. So in the space of what, from that game, from about a month, you know, a month after that, we'd lost the complete spine of the side. But how long can he keep using that as an excuse? Because we've we've had we've well, had the, I, so, a no, no, I, yeah, it, it's a <laughs> no, it's a valid reason. But I, I've agreed with you previously, and I do agree. But we still went into that January window. We had a good window, and we were still very, very much in touching distance with the playoffs. So, what on earth has happened? Especially last night's performance. But how have even then since those players have started coming back, and since we've signed players which we absolutely needed. Nothing's improved. No, I mean, initially it did. It was very good, wasn't it? And I don't... Do you know what? I don't know. The, the wind was, was bad at pitch level yesterday. The weather conditions are bad. I don't know whether... How much you can also put down to, to that. You know, it's not... But then that would show a lack of fight. That's not to be, you know... When the going's been tough, when the conditions are bad... We've been outfought by um, two sides, haven't we? We, uh, we were outfought mm-hmm. uh, by Luton, and obviously we, we drew with Birmingham because they were, you know, they they fought in those conditions, and we you know, we couldn't hang on to a lead and after we got it. But it's like you know, we've had to, it, it's two vital matches, and and they both really a spectacle's been ruined by by the weather, you know. No, it's not as if Birmingham played lovely football and we were rubbish. It's not as if Luton have played us off the park and we've been dire. They've been two poor games. And can you really say, is that due to you know, the fact that both teams are poor? Does that lend itself more to the fact that the conditions it were, wasn't we'd able to play the you know, nice, attractive football? We've attempted to, at least on Saturday at Birmingham, I think we attempted to. Um, and that maybe you spoke about wasn't that, the right way to go about it. <laughs> they kept thumping it long when you need to play it across the ground. Yeah, yeah, and I think but, it's like but when Phil Jean Bidace went off last night and, and uh, Jacob Brown come on, to me, I mean, he's getting slaughtered for having no plan B. To me, that was a perfect substitute because... Jacob Brown should be the exact, the exact kind of player you want on in, in that kind of game. He did make a bit of an impact. Yeah, after he let the ball roll out under his foot the first time. First <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> after that, he picked. After that, he picked up. One of the best but, moments I've seen. But do you know what I mean? Like, to, to me, that's exactly the same substitution I would have made. I, I would have brought yeah. Jacob Brown on, and I would have said, "You know what? It's not working for for Jaden tonight. Get him off." They've marked him. They've booted him about a bit. They've roughed him up. It's, it's not working for him. Get Jacob Brown on because he'll run in the dirt. He'll run into the wind. He'll, you know, he'll harass people. He'll probably pick up on loose balls when it's bobbling about a bit and people struggling to control it. And he did. He, he forced a couple of mistakes, didn't he, in, in the final third? And we, yeah. and we picked, um, you know, picked up advantage. We just couldn't obviously then create from there. But you look at a very small pool size in these two games. You know, no one was complaining a couple of weeks ago, were they? Yeah, you know, no. I know we, at Forest people said how how well we played, and you know, there's been games before that since January where we've been all excited. I think we've had two two home games where we thought we were going to get six points, and we've ended up with one. But like I say, it's a very small pool size, and I do think there is extenuating circumstances regarding weather you've got and stuff like that. Not not saying 
you know, that's not saying they're exempt from criticism by any stretch, but I don't think it's uh, nailed on, you know, short, short case that we are terrible either. Um, so is, is it a more of a, a lack of mental? Um, yeah, that's it, if, if any criticism can be aimed at them, I think that's it. They didn't, they haven't fought enough last night. They didn't get, you know, they, they sort of, they were very passive. That's that's probably the, the perfect word I could use for them. They were passive. Yeah. They didn't they didn't pick the tempo up and they didn't get stuck into the game. They sort of allowed it to just unfold. So I think overall then, from all the, the griping that we have done, <laughs> um, I think we're all saying that O'Neill stays. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly he needs to be given a chance this summer. To have, we're going to have about six or seven players at least that are going to be out of contract. Um, so if that's the case, he's going to get the summer. He's going to get a chance next season and if we have another season where we finish around where we're going to finish about 14th ish um if there's no improvement then i think the majority i don't think he'd make it to the end of the season if if that was the case but if he did that would be it i think for a lot of people because that would be for a lot of people just a step too far of no more advancement again and i i would probably argue that that would probably be enough for the owners as well. If we haven't made any improvement, despite having several windows at that point, for me, that will be the cutoff. Um, but I think we're all probably saying that we'd keep him. So, okay, that's fine. Um, we had a couple of uh, in and out polls uh, for O'Neill because, again, people were asking us to. So um, so Twitter and Facebook, I did two two separate ones. So uh, on Twitter, uh, staying, now this is really close. Um, so it's to stay, it's 33%. To go is 39%, and undecided was 29%. So there's a lot of people on that fence, and a lot of people have just been tipped over the fence, and the you know the backsides are hanging off it. So um, quite close on that one. Now obviously it's, it's more of a, a numbers rather than percentage on Facebook, but uh, the majority are very much in favour of him staying in the Facebook group. So uh, there's 50 people who said to stay. Uh, there's uh, 12 who said that he needs to go. And there's two people that were undecided. So um, quite a bit of a contrast, actually, uh, there. So I think we've got, uh, I think most people are quite emotional on Twitter, I think, <laughs> by the sounds of that. And that that's fine. Um, the first place people so go into. It is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So um, interesting. But man of the match polls as well. So, Dan, uh, me and you had a bit of a funny back and forward on this. You sent me over a few names, uh, three names. Alan, we both agreed on. I think we'd all agree that Alan has to be on there. You gave me two other names. I was like, nope, thought they played crap. <laughs> so, <laughs> what were those um, two names? Was it Harwood, Ballis, and Moore? Yeah, it was the two cent. It was the two centre-halves. To be yeah, fair, I will so... give Harwood, Ballis props for carrying on when he got knocked down near the end. He got stretched off in the end, didn't he? <laughs> no. He got stretched off after the game, didn't he? Did he? Yeah. Well, I didn't see that. Apparently so. I didn't see it either, but apparently so, yeah. Oh, was okay. hobbling around. Well, so if we, I tell you what, we're going to be struggling to put out a fit team at the weekend then, by the sound of it. But, um, yeah, anyway, yeah, so the amount of polls... Oh, yeah, so Neil's fault, that one. Um, so, yeah, obviously, Alan, as we've already discussed, he was in there. Baker, for the third week in a row, makes it into the top three. So it was Alan, Baker and more actually uh, made it into there, mate. So, uh, again, Alan was always going to be on there. I think it was just a struggle for the others. Now, personally speaking, 
if Baker hadn't have scored an absolute screamer, I, I don't know if he would have been on this list, if I'm honest with you, but people want him on there. So anyway, third place uh, was Moore with 5%. Second place was Baker with 22%. And then first uh, romping home was Joe Allen with 69%. So um, quite clear who won that one. So, if everyone's still got the the will to live, um, is there anything else that you guys want to go into before we move on to the Stoke News? Not really. It's just, you know, um, people at the actual ground gave stick for O'Neill making apparently a pointless substitute of Magic to Fletcher. But Fletcher did. I, I think I counted the amount of headers he won when he came off, and it was about seven. And I think that was the most amount of the team combined in the whole game. He made a very good effort, apart from the handball, which he stupidly gave away. <laughs> he, he's, he's obviously just trying to do something different. Once he still wanted yeah. a target man, obviously Magia, he must have thought was you know tired, um, and we've only got one other target man at the club, so I suppose there's not much of a choice to make there. I suppose yeah. I'm not quite sure who else we would have brought on who's a target man like that. But um, yeah, fair enough. Again, everyone's entitled to their opinions. Um, so I think that pretty much covers off the. Uh, Obviously, the Luton game. Uh, I'm pretty sure we can still make it through to the rest of this pod. So we hope uh, so. Yeah, I hope so. So let's go on to the Stoke news anyway. Okay, so to kick off uh, the news for this week, so um, interesting one that's actually not been covered by the club just yet, unless I've missed it. But obviously, Alex Aldridge um, apparently is going to be going back to Millwall, um, having only come obviously this season for us. Now, I, I must admit, I, I really am looking forward to the fallout of this because, I mean, since he came, I personally feel that the actual quality of the incomings has been better. We've obviously got rid of a lot of players as well, and obviously has a big hand in getting a lot of our youngsters out on loan as well. So, um, I mean, in terms of this one, I don't quite understand it. I don't know if either of you have heard anything about why he's all of a sudden packing his bags, but um, I'm a little bit confused on this one. Just seems to be all of a sudden, maybe you just enjoyed how Millwall are as an academy project. Well, I was thinking the only thing I can think of is obviously the upcoming changes to the structure of the club. Is it one of them that maybe, you know, he came as a, I don't know, not as a, a temporary fix? Such, but, you know, yeah, maybe. So, you know, it's, it's a thing for Tony Scholes, and obviously Tony Scholes has gone and, and bits like that. Is it just the fact that he just doesn't agree with the structure? Because, or, or maybe it's personal. I guess no one really knows the answer to this. And again, it's not being confirmed by the club. It's just there's a lot of sources saying he's going um i mean dan what, what do you think about the whole Aldridge situation mate i mean do you think things have improved a lot of people have been saying you know they're really not happy about it because they feel it has improved since he walked through the door yeah to, to, obviously it has i mean the, the predecessor got a lot of stick didn't he and seemed to be the uh you know the bane of all the, our issues mr carwright you know he was given a yeah, we're given all the abuse once here, and then obviously that moved on to Tony Scholes once Cartwright, uh, Mr. Cartwright had left the building. Uh, it does seem to have picked up, but again, we don't know. We don't know the ins and outs and why these deals are being done and when they're being done, the reason for it. So it could just be coincidence that when he's walked through the door, you know, that we have got rid. I think it was more the outgoings wanted that there was the the yeah. main. 
sort of it, like we've been able to get rid of a lot of players and, and people saying, well, you know, why couldn't we do that before? You know, well, how, how come we can get rid of all these players now and we can't? Now, since we've spoken to Kieran, um, Kieran Maguire, obviously we know that because those players were in the last year of their contract, once June the 30th takes past, it, for FFP purposes, you get, you just get them out the door because you've amortised their their value across the length of their contract by that point. And if we'd have got rid of them any sooner, FFP would have caught us out sooner. So it's all been a juggling act, and I'm sure that was more down to Tony Scholes, um, you know, balancing those books than it was, you know, Cartwright or Aldridge. But yeah, it'd be interesting. Having said, having said that, obviously, I think Alex Aldridge, his contacts, especially down south, seem to be you know, paying dividends. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just interesting why I say, why has he gone back to Millwall? To me, I mean, no disrespect to Millwall, but to me, that is like a smaller club. You'd imagine, not in, you wouldn't imagine there was as much scope in terms of transfer dealings and what's possibly coming in and out. Maybe his uh, best buds with Gary Rowett. <laughs> it was, it, it was mission accomplished. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, it'd be interesting, mate, to be honest with you. I, I, I don't know how it's going to go. We obviously want, I want to see this new structure really until we know who's coming in in this new structure and how it's all really going to work. Um, who knows? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there isn't room for a, a person of his nature. I, I, I really don't know. Um, but yeah, I know there's a lot of people who weren't very happy with that. Okay, so um, a bit more of a positive light as such. Um, so ITV have got the highlights for the next two seasons, uh, I believe. So I think it's Championship, is it League One, League Two, um, etc. They've got the rights for. So I mean, I'm not sure about you guys, and did any of you ever really watch the Quest um, highlights package? Thing? I, I don't think I've ever watched it on Quest. I, I watched the oh, no. two-minute highlights on YouTube, and that seems to be enough. It has the key <laughs> bits, but. I have it on Yeah. I must admit, I've only watched it a couple of times. Um, now, obviously, the bits that I do like is that obviously the highlights, extended highlights, will be on ITV Hub, so you can go watch them at any point. It, it'll be easier to get to. For me, Quest, I, I ain't got a clue where that is on the planet. I, 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 it's a nothing channel. Um, <laughs> no, it's a, it's so, so Very for me, problems. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But for me, that's just it. It's like, I don't know where it is, and I couldn't care less to find out where it is. Um, so, I mean, I suppose it's, it's one of them. If we would have had some uh, more, um, let's say, more positive results, maybe I would have watched it more. But, yeah, I mean, either way, I'm not overly bothered. Um, I'm glad it's easy to access. But, um, again, I, I never really watched them in the first place. So I think Colin Murray did a, did a very good job of it. Yeah, he did, but I think they were always very respectful to us anyway, weren't they? I, I, I never seem to remember them having a bad word to say about us. No, I do like, like I said, they had good panellists on as well, people who know the league. It was yeah. players who played most majority of their career in there, who were na- names that people recognise, and so, you know, and it were affiliated to clubs and stuff as well. So, and then also, I think they've, they've also had, like, you know, podcasters and stuff on there as well, so they don't... Yeah, they, they were quite, quite 
quite open and stuff, and he had some good good panelists give some good feedback. Oh, but Dan, yeah, you should I have think... kept that quiet, mate. That that's the whole reason I don't like him. They didn't invite us on. <laughs> <laughs> give it away. Um, but I think I think ITV obviously are a bigger they're, they're a bigger company, aren't they? I think is it Channel Five their own quest? Um, is it? Yeah. yeah, I think so. So I, like, I have no clue, to be fair. Yeah, so I think ITV obviously are a bigger company. They'll be able to make it a bigger, bigger production. They'll put more like money say, behind it. On the ITV hub and that. So yeah, I think it's a positive move. Okay, interesting, good. Um, and then uh, just the second to last before we go on to your favourite section down, which is the under 18s, under 23s. Um, obviously this week, uh, I can't believe this, but it was it 22 years since Stanley Matthews um passed away. Which yeah, was I don't know about you guys. I mean, I don't even think you were alive, Andy. I wasn't alive, anyway. but obviously I've been told. Oh, I was actually joking. No, of course you weren't. <laughs> I didn't realise that actually. I was making <laughs> yeah. a bit of a, I've been told a bit tales of a about him, obviously. No, you 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 were probably just thinking about Vale at that point. But um anyway, twenty two years since he's been conceived. <laughs> um okay, maybe maybe the mum and dad were thinking about Vale at the time. Maybe. Whatever works, but uh, anyway. I don't know about you, but I remember with my, my wife said this the other day that standing outside the school is, I think, the, the procession of his, uh, obviously, his, his, the, the kind of funeral car and stuff like that was going through the city. I just remember it being absolutely lined full of people, um, everyone clapping, everyone who even wasn't a Stoke fan was there and appreciating it. Um, I can't believe it's been 22 years. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's, it's the Wizard of the Dribble. Yeah, it's, and like I say, he's just, I think he was quite sudden as well, wasn't it? It wasn't, to me, I, don't know, I was quite young at the time, but it felt like, you know, there was, there was no real warning, there was no illness, he just, just sort of passed away. And and like I say, the whole city came out, the, the whole country, you know, imagine if it had happened today with all the 24-hour news coverage and everything, you know, you can imagine... What would have been like, you know, Sky Sports News would have, would have been like for a player of his sort of stature and his history, and that you can imagine that, you know, how much how much coverage you would have got. Yeah, absolutely, man. And when I think about the current like current players around around the world, I mean, I I, I question whether let's just look at the the Stoke teams, and I don't want to get too morbid on this because it's you know it's meant to be a, a happy show. But when you, you know, I don't think you would get that type of reception again. I think times have changed a little bit. I mean, obviously he he was due in an era where you weren't paid fifty seven grand a week or sixty grand or whatever it may be. You know th- those those times didn't exist. So I just think that he was a man that everyone clearly related to. Um, we'd give his all for the club. Obviously, I don't think anyone's ever going to play as long as he did. Um, and I think that's that's the big difference now. I'm not quite sure that would ever really happen. Um, no, I think the only player who comes close to it has sadly passed away in recent times, and that's probably Gordon Banks. Yeah. I think he's the only one who would get, like, sort of... The City would honour him, you know, uh, uh, during, you know, after his passing, but also, like, the wider, like, the country and, and the world, even. I don't think there's there's many you know state players. I think they they're probably the two that would sort of you know the news would be get around the world that they they, they sort of passed away and that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, again, um, it's 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 something I'm sure that I'm sure the club at some point will do something in the future, maybe like the 25th anniversary or you know and bits like that to kind of honour him and. Um, 
I mean, again, I'm not sure if there'll be there a tribute of some kind um, again going on on the big screen and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, again, 22 years is incredible. Um, and Dan, uh, how's the under 18s, under 23s been uh, looking this uh, last week, mate? Soggy. <laughs> Soggy. <laughs> Soggy, yes. The under 23s, they had a game away at Sunderland on Monday, postponed. The under 18s, they had a game at Burnley away on Saturday, postponed. <laughs> so, yes. Soggy and, and windy. The storms and all sorts won the last weekend, so easy we forget. But yeah, they uh, we didn't have much, there's not much to report on that front. Uh, the women did manage a game though. Uh, we said the Sporting Calsa they were playing, and it was nil nil after 90 minutes, but they got the winner in extra time. And Staff Senior Cup semi final it was. So Becky Knight netted the winner in extra time, put us through to the final. And uh, this Sunday, we're at home to Huddersfield. So if you want a bit of a football fix on Sunday, 2pm kickoff, and that's Community Drive. Uh, OK, so yes, so that's, um, the, that's the women. Obviously, the under-18s, they play Burnley away on Saturday. And then the under-23s match up this week. Uh, they haven't actually got a game, so... Yeah, they've uh, no game for the under 23s this week, unless uh, someone decide to rearrange that one. But yeah, as it happens, there's nothing. So I suppose all systems go for Palace in the week for the first team. Everyone can everyone can go down and have a game. <laughs> so it would be interesting to see what team plays against Palace next week, mate. It's uh, we're going to be well, blowing I've, on fumes, I think. I've I've heard on the grapevine. That there were plans put in place for a first ever, every step along the way midweek podcast for that game. Oh really? Who's joining that, mate? Because I certainly aren't. <laughs> I'm no longer a Stoke fan. I'm joining Andy at Vale. <laughs> I think oh, I'll just both be... take to Stoke this time. I've got some real Stoke fans in. I'm sure we've got some. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's somewhat, some of them somewhere. Um, but no, yeah, <laughs> thanks for the updates on those, mate. Yeah, very quiet week then on the under under 18s and 23s, but at least they're, they're one of the uh, members of the club are in a, in a final anyway. Um, hopefully, we'll be there again soon with the first team, but let's not hold a breath. Um, so that pretty much does it for this week's news. Uh, let's go and have a look ahead to Bournemouth this weekend. So we head down to the Vitality Stadium on Saturday and it's it's probably been a mixed bag. It's not been too bad of a hunting ground for us recently. Um, the last four trips that we've made to the Vitality, we won 2-0 last season and in 2016 we won 3-1, which you might remember there was a lovely Ginella Imbul side-footed goal from just outside the box. Oh yes, I one. remember that. And the one yeah. good thing he really did for us. It was a lovely goal, that was, wasn't it? Well, between them, we had a 2-2 draw. And Lise Mousset and Ryan Shawcross both scored own goals <laughs> in that game. So Shawcross scored for Bournemouth, Mousset scored for Stoke. And then the following year, uh, the host got their only win in recent times against us uh, at home when they beat us 2-1 uh, the season after. So that ultimately contributed to our relegation. And it was a story of that season, really. Shakiri gave us an early lead, 
uh, before two late goals turned it around, including a winner by, guess who? Lisa Mousset. Lisa Mousset. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, like I say, not a bad hunting ground for us recently. Um, I've got some players who've played for both clubs, so you can tick these off in your head. Asmir Begovic, obviously Sam Surridge, Benny Kafobi, Kenwin Jones, Cameron Carter-Vickers, Adam Federici, Mark Wilson, Sam Vokes, and then we've got two two Stoke legends at the end. Um, so I'm going to guess, do either of you know what I'm going to say? I have no clue. No. One, Mark Steen. And also, obviously, he played and he managed Bournemouth and he managed Stoke, Tony Pulis. Yeah. I must admit, other than those last couple of names, we've not done very well from transfers at Bournemouth. <laughs> I'm not quite sure we'd take any of them right now. Mind you, Begovic, one or two. Bad I was going to say, Begovic, Begovic was a decent player. Yeah, the rest of them, though, can disappear um, in our history, I think. <laughs> well, um, yes, obviously, our recent form of Bournemouth is good. And also, Bournemouth's recent home form is not so good. They've lost three out of the last five. Uh, they lost 2-0 to Blackburn, and they also had 1-0 defeats to Hull and the mighty Boreham Wood in the FA Cup. Um, obviously, we we defeated to, by Luton in midweek, but that was our first defeat in six games. Um, but in our last eight away games, we've only been defeated twice, and in that time, we have had wins at Hull, QPR, Luton and Blackpool. So away from home, we're actually in quite good form at the minute. It's just going to be so stoked to go and win, isn't it? <laughs> well, we appear to be better away than home, don't we, sir? <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that's pretty much that's all I've pretty much got this Thank week. You've got right. So for my start, let's go on about Bournemouth's injury news. Um, Adam Smith, Ethan Laird, and Gary Cahill, if you remember who he is, are all back, but out are Ryan Christie, Robbie Brady, Junior Stanislas. Their new signing, Kiefer Moore and Jefferson Lerma. Um, additionally, with their new signings, they signed Kiefer Moore on deadline day, like I've said, but they have done some good recruitment. They've signed Todd Campbell on um, a loan to buy from Norwich, Freddie Woodman on loan from Newcastle, Nathaniel Phillips from Liverpool on loan till the end of the season. Um, if you remember this name, Siriki Dembele from Peterborough, who is a pretty clinical striker. That is their deadline day signings. And they also signed Ethan Laird in January. Um, going back to that game you mentioned about the 2-1 loss from um, Bournemouth, do you know who the only player in that team still remains at Stoke? Joe Allen. Yep, Joe Allen. The team that we put out that day was Jack Butland, Moritz Bauer, Eric Peters, Kurt Zuma, Ryan Shawcross, Jeff Cameron, Joe Allen, Chupo Moting, Badu Ndi, Shakiri, and Peter Crouch with the substitutes of Juf Berahino and Constas Staphylidis. God. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, a bit of a change then. And then two head-to-head stats. Bournemouth have won five of their last seven league matches against Stoke, which is one draw and one loss, and that's a 1-0 earlier this season. Um, Following a 2-0 win last season, Stoke are looking to record consecutive away league wins against Bournemouth for the first time which would be a Stoke thing to do. 
Bournemouth are looking to win four successive league games for the first time since October, which was a run of five, which is a 1-0 win over Stoke. Um, we have drawn each of our last two games on the road uh, in the league, uh, which is um, a longer run, that which is less than the longest run we've had, which is January 2021, where we recorded six successive draws. And Bournemouth manager Scott Parker has won two of his three league games against Stoke. We're losing one, which um, his actual one is only one against them. His home won his only home game against them in December 2019. Pretty impressive stats there, guys. Well done. I'm going to give that a draw this week. I think you. Both, Dan won uh, up me last week. I had to try and pull out the big guns this week. <laughs> uh, no, I, I I think it's a draw, mate. Some pretty cracking uh, stats there. So, uh, yeah, nice one, mate. <laughs> I'm happy with a point from that. Yeah, I'm happy with a point. <laughs> Me and Dan have got to start making a table of this, haven't we? <laughs> See who's got it at that, the end of the season. That one point is going to be more than we get on this quiz this week, just to point out. <laughs> we don't know what that is yet, though, do we? Yeah, bro. Yeah, so we've been brought back down to here, that's what we say, with the last two games, haven't we? But I think, yeah, we've got Powell back, Seamus back, Sawyer's back, Branchy's on the way back, Madge is back. Wilmot's recovered from his illness. I mean, I think that's really affected him the last couple of weeks, last couple of games. We've, we've got out of the win bowl, there is the Bet365, and what is turning into a bit of a toxic fan base, maybe, mm-hmm. possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, are we, are, or can we still turn the corner? Is there still a possibility of a. A, a good run, I think it's going to take a special run from this point to get us anywhere near the playoffs. But are we capable starting this weekend, do you think? Um, not a cat and owl's chance, is <laughs> my response to that, mate. Um, I think we need to, I think it's important we get a strong finish to the season. But if I remember, I've got, I haven't got the fixtures in front of me, but I'm pretty sure that we've got a. I think got like Blackburn, Coventry, um So after Bournemouth, of obviously Brom, we've got Palace in the Cup. Again. Blackpool at home, Barnsley away, Peterborough away, Cardiff away in the space of eight days. And then Millwall at home, Sheffield United at home, Reading away, West Brom away, Bristol at home, and then the end of the season's Blackburn away, QPR at home, Middlesbrough away, Coventry at home. <laughs> to me that is a brutal run in that is. Yes, but Imagine, obviously, the thing is, we looking at those results, the fixtures before that, they could go either way, and I think that's going to be vital that we get if we can put a run together there, which we could do. I mean, it's all doom and gloom, isn't it? After the like, say, the last seven days or so, but we could possibly go into each of those games still the favourite at kickoff to win each and every one. And if we do, for the first time this season, actually find some consistency and put a few wins together, then what kind of momentum does that then take into those games at the end of the season? Only the players can show us. The problem is, if we don't get that consistency and we don't get some results in those games against the teams that we should be looking to beat in the next five, six games, then the knives and the atmosphere will be poor and the pressure will be sky high going into the tougher games. 
that's the issue. They need to sort themselves out. Maybe Bournemouth Palace, they may get two free passes. But after that, there needs to be some serious results going in. Otherwise, you may see a very... Well, <laughs> I don't know how you, what you... You don't know how to word it, do you? No. <laughs> Drastic It could changes. be quite toxic at home. Because, I We're mean, let, let's show. be honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've got, obviously, you know, the season tickets are going to go back on sale, um, aren't they, before too long? Uh, is it, again, the early birds, probably a matter yeah. of weeks away, uh, to be honest. So, obviously, the club don't want defeat after defeat after defeat. I mean, we haven't obviously heard the prices yet. I can't imagine they're going to put the prices up. I think they considering where the world is. Well, they'll probably keep them the same. If we're lucky, yeah. they'll reduce them a little bit, but I don't see it. No. Because they've frozen the prices for like the past 15 years. Yeah, so I don't, I don't think they're going to go down. I'm, say, I'm sure, just as I'm saying this, I've got Sky Sports on the background and a certain uh, Bradford manager has just popped up. Mr. Mark Hughes. Um, Mr. Mark Hughes, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, but uh, yeah, I think it'll be, I think it's going to be interesting. I think O'Neill needs a good run of form for his own sake, because if we do have a dreadful form going into the rest of this season, um, it's going to make his life very hard this summer. Um, it could, as, as Dan was probably alluding to without wanting to say, if everyone starts really getting his back and shouting for him out, um, at the end of the season is probably the time when they would do that because they'd I don't think they be would do reset. it before the end of the season. No, 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 not before the end of the season. They'd let it go, but then it would be done as soon as that last that last game's you know finished. Yeah, um, which is probably the prime time because I think the worst thing you could do is if if they don't one hundred percent believe in him, and I think I think they do. I th- I'm pretty sure they they would do. Um, if they don't believe in him, then they have to get rid of him straight away after that last game. Because they have to give another manager time to come in, sign players, go get it, get everything sorted. The last thing we want is for them to just be unsure, let him sign players in the summer, bring us back for the new season, have a really poor start, and then sack him before January, where we've already lost windows and we've lost momentum and lost any any potential of going up again. So they need to make the decision before we kick off. Let's just put it that way. So in short, don't do a Watford. Yeah, well, Wofford sack a manager every season, don't they? But <laughs> well, they've got three managers this season. I'm surprised Roy Hodgson's still in charge. <laughs> I'm surprised he's in charge after after all the wet. Like, I've seen him in like throwing it down with rain, and the poor guy's being made stand out there. <laughs> I didn't think owls like the rain. <laughs> guess so. Anyway, um, um, so yeah. who are you Carry playing? On. Yeah. <laughs> so who's you starting eleven then? Who are you picking on Saturday? Got Bournemouth. Are we sticking with the same formation? Same a formation, but he needs to play a four-two-three-one rather than a four-three-three. See, so, yeah. So you're wanting Nick Powell being pushed through the. I want Powell to play that. Is it number ten role? Yeah. Yeah, because when he's playing more of a centre mid and in a mid in a proper three centre midfielders rather than two holding and one attacking. He's he's pushed out. He's not used to affect that he should be. Okay. So you're are you keeping you keeping Baker and Allen? I'm keeping Baker and Allen. Baker and Allen you, Powell is our best three that we've got in midfield. So you're just pushing um obviously pushing, pushing Powell forward. Further. 
Who's your focal point? Who's your, your, your striker? Madger. Still keeping keep him up Madger. there. Campbell and Wright. I'll put Wright Phillips on the wing. I think Bidace is a bit tired from doing all his running, but I'll do Wright Phillips and Campbell on the wings. I've gone Tymon and Smith as right wing and right wing, right back and left back. Reason being is if you are saying about Howard Bellis being stretched off, I'd put Wilmot back to the centre back position as precautionary because I think Jagielka and more centre backs is a bit risky in the pace department and keeping Bursic in goal. Not bringing James Chester in, mate. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if he slips me a fiver. So, um, I believe Mike has been your team. Is that uh... pretty? Yeah, yeah, pretty much the same, mate. I mean, I must admit, I've been. I wouldn't mind seeing Sawyer's. I'm not quite sure where I put him though. I think that's the problem. I, I agree with with Andy. I think you know those three that we mentioned just are probably the best three in the midfield. Um, obviously, Mario's back, but again, you question his fitness. I wouldn't mind seeing him maybe getting under 23's game or something. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm with I'm with Andy on this one. I think I would go with the same same team as him. I think the only question mark may be over Timon. If obviously he's done his hamstring. Don't know if it's going to be just it was in precaution, but left I don't, back. I don't. It, we'll if, well, Smith Fox. came on for him, didn't he? But you'd probably go Fox at left back, left and then Smith at back. right back. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I again, it's definitely very comfortable. Same here with me. I think you know, Fox, Fox at uh, left back is the only real choice you've got really if if time is unavailable. He's solid enough. He's not going to give you much game forward, but is that going to be the priority on Saturday? I think first and foremost, we're going to need to be solid in defence, aren't we? And, mm-hmm. and not get anything away. And yeah, I think Wilmot started really well at right back, but the last the last two games he has sort of been shocking. I mean, I think it took him it took until the second half to find a Stoke player. I think on, on Wednesday night against Luton. I don't think he made a successful pass for for like an hour or so. No, <laughs> it was like everything. I mean, there was one point where he, he tried yards infield and he tried to play out to the the byline to to Campbell. He got cut out and it bounced back to him. And then he tried to sort of flick it in just into the midfield and nobody was there, but the ball ended up being knocked back to him. Because obviously, just what a scrappy game it was, and then he just launched it down the wing, and um, and Madge just sort of like went for a run after it, and then thought there's no point. <laughs> and I'm like, it was like three that's just the how the game there. was though. Into that's just yeah, how the game was. Like, like it was, it was a game yeah. of ping pong. That's He's how like, it was. I've attempted a short pass out wide. I've tried to put it in the midfield. I've launched it down the wing. None what of else am I meant to do? <laughs> But, but yeah, I think, like I say, if he has been ill, then then maybe that that could be the reason. But he, um, to me, yeah, I think especially with a two game a two game ban for the next few matches as well, uh, hanging over him, Will Mott, I'd uh, I'd bring bring Smith back in at right back, bring Fox in at left back. Like I say, if, if even if Timon's you know just feeling it a bit, I wouldn't risk him not with a hamstring. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm with you actually, Mike. I think Sawyer's, it might be worth putting Sawyer's at 10 because at the end of the day, we've got we've got how many games left now? 14? Something like you know, that. Nick Powell's not going to play 14 games, is he? And he played, you know, he's come back from injury and, you know, look what happened last time. You know, we played in those three games in a week and then he, it was the third game once that he pulled up 
you know, with his hamstring, and we were we were lucky that you know he, he didn't miss any game, any real games with that. It was just like it just went a bit tight. So we've already had a warning with that. Why not? I don't know whether I'd risk him. I'd whether you know Sawyer's can play, and just say to Sawyer's, give us as much as you can. You're not going to give us ninety minutes. Nick Powell, can, you know, and then Powell can come on for the last thirty minutes or so whenever Sawyer's is, you know, is is blowing. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I, th- I think Sawyer's starting to find his feet, wasn't he, before his injury? So I think, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I think we'll see Sawyer's a lot more before the end of this season. Um, I mean, again, he's obviously only on loan from West Brom, if I remember rightly. Um, so he is, is he someone you might? Is he well, someone you so might want is. to see permanently? Yeah, I was, okay. So, so he is. He is on loan, uh, but he's con- he's out of contracts in the summer. So obviously, he'll be available on a free in the summer. Hmm. Um, I I would take I'd offer him a two year contract. Yeah, I don't think he's going to have too many more suitors, so I think it's probably one of them no. where maybe if if we want it, then they might happen. Yeah, t- typically of the Stoke injury case, <laughs> he has said that he's uh, he's been playing professional football since he's eighteen, and he's never he's never had an injury until this one. <laughs> so <laughs> he's been playing for twelve seasons. Uninjured, he comes to Stoke and obviously picks a one up. Um, so obviously, if he is going to be sort of you know going for that number ten role with Powell next season, obviously we know Nick Powell's not going to play forty six games, is he? So and we no know he's not, yeah. So we need somebody who we know can play week in week out, and obviously Sawyer's by the sounds of it can do, and also as well Sawyer's is. He's a good replacement to come on. If you start Powell, and you know, and the results, the game's gone either way. I mean, we don't have many of them fixtures, do we? Let's be honest. <laughs> there aren't many of our games that are you know two, three nil uh, either way at any point. But if they are, then we can always you know you can rest up Powell, and you've got somebody who can come on. Or even if you know different games, different styles. Aren't they? Because they, although they play the same role or that, they're not the same kind of player either. So yeah, I I definitely keep him on. Cool. Well, um, yeah, I think sorry, Dan, carry on. No, I was just going to say. I mean, obviously we've um, you've seen that, aren't we? What you know, what we think, and you know our uh, points on the game, and why we think he's going to go. Our teams. Uh, shall we hear what the Bournemouth fans are thinking? We've got one. Yeah, let's hear this. this. is Kirk from Cherry's Red Army. Hi there, it's Kirk Toby from Cherry's Red Army, the AFC Bournemouth fan channel on YouTube. And we've been asked to give our thoughts ahead of this fixture versus Stoke at the weekend. Bournemouth season so far, though, yep, pretty impressive. We would have taken second in the league come February if you'd have told us that back in August. And the start of the season... Couldn't have gone any better, really. Unbeaten in 15 up to about the end of October. Although performances weren't perfect, we were winning narrowly, but we were also getting the points on the board, and that's what was important. Did have an inconsistent mini blip, though, halfway through the season, struggling to beat certain teams, generally down the bottom of the league. We did also have an upset in the FA Cup, but wedged in between that and currently is three championship wins in a row. And what the Bournemouth fans were looking for is a little bit of character from Scott Parker, a little bit of character from the team. 
more importantly, could we play for more than just, say, 20 minutes in a 90-minute game? Birmingham did feel a little bit like that. It was one of our better performances in a long time. He dominated for large spells, scored some good goals. Blackpool, though, again, was a tough day. But late on, we found a way to get two goals in the last 10 minutes. Last kick of the game from Dembele. We took all three points away from Bloomfield Road. And that's not an easy task for a lot of teams this season. So we go into this game off the back of two games now being postponed due to the storm. One at home due to Forest, and one against Swansea away. So what will the break do to us? Haven't played since the 12th of February. We'll have to find out. We do have some injuries as well. Kiefer Moore, he came in on transfer deadline day. He's currently out with a broken foot. We also have Ryan Christie sidelined as well, and that's a big loss for us. Although I did talk about Dembele coming in from Peterborough, and he hit the ground running. Cameo against Birmingham, and that goal, as I said, against Blackpool. So he's definitely wanting to show what he's all about. But we also have players that have come in as well, like Ethan Laird, who might get a game at some point in this fixture. Adam Smith's also on the return, but right back's not really where we've had any problems because Jack Stacey has been solid. So we go into this game very, very confident. We hope that we can keep the wins going. We have a good record, I believe, against Stoke City. I think only something like one loss in seven. And I think that was the loss at home last season. So that was at the end, though, when we were maybe focusing on the playoffs. This will be a different sort of game for us. We have a gap now opening in the championship with games in hand. And if we can win against Stoke, we can sort of try and catch Fulham and separate the teams in the playoffs from us. So I am going for a home win. Maybe Stoke will score. I know they're off the back of a loss at home to Luton. But I do think Stoke will get a goal. But I do fancy the Cherries for a 2-1 win. Enjoy the game though. And thanks for having us. Brilliant. Ooh. Thank you for that kick. So yeah, that's Red Cherries Red Army. So obviously we're missing somebody though, aren't we? We know uh, the old faithful. Well, the Cherry's Red Army view. Let's get the Gray McGarry view. Hi there, you Potters podcast people. Hello there, it's Gray McGarry back again after the international break. I hope you enjoyed your little breather from your football. This is Gray McGarry with that Potters prediction. Let's hope we get it right this weekend. Stoke City 2, Hull City 0. Stoke 1, West Brom 0. Stoke are ready to win at home. 2-0 for the Potters. Well, hello there, you Potters predictors. What's it going to be this weekend on the long trip to the South Coast? Well, Bournemouth are a side that everybody's tipping to go back in the Premier League, but they're not having the greatest time at the moment. And perhaps it's a good time for Stoke City to come back with some points on the board from this long away trip. Michael O'Neill will be hoping his side can hit top form. They're a little bit disappointing last weekend, of course. But then they have that midweek game that they have to contend with. And now they're heading on their travels once again. I'm pretty sure that most people will be thinking this is a game that Stoke won't be getting anything out of. But there could be a shock result, you know. It could be Bournemouth nil, Stoke won. 1-0, Graham. 1-0. Off your absolute rocker, mate. <laughs> he, he has got to have taken something with for that. Well, Drinking it. <laughs> I 
I'm gonna I'm gonna go with him. I think two one for Marty Potters. For some reason, I just have a feeling that we're gonna just just keep that that flame alight, flame alive for the playoffs, and it'll all be rosy and everyone will be going to Palace on Wednesday night thinking, oh, we're still everyone we're still going, going to Palace. We're still think anyone's going to go. Well, I saw people saying they wish they'd never brought tickets for the next couple of games. Oh, God. Yeah, well, two, two local derbies. <laughs> yeah, so I must admit, mate, my prediction's 3-0, but to Bournemouth, not to Stoke. Because see what this club's done to me in the space of a week. <laughs> <laughs> You've gone for a... Was it a 4-1 against Birmingham to a 3-0 <laughs> against... <laughs> Bournemouth the other way. A six goal go- swing. <laughs> I'm going down the middle. I'm going two two. Another Desmond. Well, I, I thought we'd beat against Nottingham Forest, but obviously we let it slip in the last couple of minutes to that free kick. And I feel like, obviously not them getting their keeper sent off, but I feel like we'll go two one up, have all the hope, and then something's going to cause it to go two two. Right. Mm. So yeah, I, I wish I could share your optimism. <laughs> hands hands over the face when it's two one in the eighty eighth minute. <laughs> Sadly, I can't go well, this let, time. Let's so. hope. Um, let, let's hope we're we're a bit closer with this quiz this week, mate. Because uh, I need someone <laughs> to pick to pick pick me up. <laughs> right, quiz time then. So this week, there's been a lot of talk, haven't there, about managers? Mon in, mon out. Jones Is it going to be the back. last 10 managers we've had? No, because you can probably roll them off. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the nine permanent state managers from this century, and I want you to order them in win percentage for Stoke. Oh, oh you... I can't, I'm not saying Jesus that. Jesus Christ, man, <laughs> this gets harder every week. <laughs> so... Right, so obviously, current manager, Michael O'Neill. What's his win percentage? So, you've got Michael O'Neill. Then, obviously, before him, Nathan Jones. Before him, Gary Rowitz. Are you writing these down? I'll get my <laughs> notes out. Oh, yeah, I'll, get, I'll write them down one sec. <laughs> so, here we go. So, obviously, O'Neill, you've got Jones... Rowett. Got Rowett. Hughes. I know Lambert. Hughes. Yeah. Pulis. Boskamp. Cottrell. And Thordeson. Okay. So this is win percentage of all the games that they took. God. So you said you said uh, sorry, I've literally just bloody closed down the flipping notepad. Um, you said boss camp, didn't you? Yeah, boss camp, Cottrell, and then boss camp. Well, well, oh, Cottrell, mm, Cottrell, that could be a bit of a red herring because he only played about, he only played, he only managed about one game before he chucked us in. Um, <laughs> Which, to be fair, could actually mean he's got a high win percentage and he's trying, trying it on. Um, well, Boss Camp, 
was very, I'll win by five or I'll lose by five, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, oh, I thought Steve... Hey, my my uh, brain's Co- just trying to Cottrell think. Didn't, Steve Cottrell didn't have a bad start there with us. It was, it was mixed. It was mixed. If he didn't manage many games, he could have a high percentage. That's that's what I'm thinking. But well, but I want to start off like, what do you think O'Neill has? Um, I'd say not too bad. I, I think pretty pretty run of the mill because yeah. he, again, like, he's had a like lot this of games. season, it's been around about. I'd say. <sighs> Right, I would say, if look at it like this, you've got nine managers there. Yep. Two of them should stand out as the bottom two. Well, for me, Boss Camp should definitely be down the bottom. And probably... Lambert. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Lambert. Yeah, it's got to be Lambert. He, he was dreadful. So it's got to be Lambert and Boss Camp. Yeah, go Lambert and Boss Camp. I'll go uh, Lambert being bottom, Boss Camp being next. What am I uh, saying, Dan? I'll let, Are you, you going to get letters in? Give me the your end, final you? list at the end, and I'll okay. tell you. I'll then... God, Boss Camp. Maybe Rowett. Did he do too well? No, Rowett didn't. Rowett didn't do good. Maybe put him at seven, but it's like him and Jones. They had very similar, similar managing times, didn't they? Uh, and it shows that Jones can only really do it at Luton. See, I think. See, Rowett, he won a great, but I think he won much. He won more than Nathan Jones. I think Pulis is going to be near the top. He's Don't got be. to. He's he got us promoted and then kept us up there, didn't he? Got us to Europe. So he's got to be up right. there. Pulis has. Let's worry about him in, in a minute. So I'm. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna go. Yeah, I mean, Rowett, It's got to be Cottrell. That's seven. Yeah, okay. Cottrell next. And then after him, Rowett. Oh, Rowett. Okay, and then. I would have thought. Actually, no, no, no. Jones, isn't it? Yeah, Jones and then oh, Rowett. Whichever way around you want to do that. I think. I don't think there'll be an awful lot in it, but. No. So are we going Jones and then Rowett, or yeah. Rowett and Jones? Jones and then, then Rowett. Okay. The rest we've got is O'Neill, Hughes, Pulis, and Thoderson. or Thodorson. Well, Thoderson will definitely be up there because he had a, he had a really good record with us. Yeah. He'll he'll be up there with the likes of. Pulis and Hughes and all that business. So we're we saying O'Neill at four, or um, oh, mm. <laughs> it's when it gets near the top. It's, thing it's is, one of them with O'Neill, the amount of he, games played, this is the problem. Yeah, fingers of O'Neill, he came in and managed to save us from relegation as well. Yeah. So you're going to put O'Neill next, yeah? I'd say O'Neill next. Go Just... O'Neill next, then. And then... That leaves us with Pulis, Hughes, and Thorson, 
and Hughes. And Hughes. We'll go so Hughes Brentford next manager then. At third. Yeah, go Hughes next. Thordeson and then for me, Thordeson at number one, mate. Okay, Thordeson's and then go Pulis at second. Pulis second, yeah. Okay. So, so just check with that. We've got Lambert, Boskamp, followed by Cottrell, Jones, Rowett, O'Neill, Hughes, Pulis, Thordeson. You want to go with that then? Okay, there you go, there you go Dan. That's the there list. we go, Dan. That's you're, our list. You're not a million miles away. We'll, we'll, okay. We will take that. I think it just depends how many we got right. How many you got right might sound disappointing, but you're not far off getting the... You know what I mean? Where the percentage is close. Right, so bottom of the list, Paul Lambert. 13, okay. with 13.3%, two wins from 15 games. That is awful. <laughs> Second bottom, second bottom, Nathan Jones, 15.1%, six wins from 38 games. Okay. Third bottom, Steve Cottrell, 23%, three from 13. Well, we got that one, so that's two right so far. Now, Gary Rao is going to be coming for you. You said you had similar records. His win, his win percentage is double what Nathan Jones is. He's next with 31%. <laughs> Nine from It must 29. be the amount of games. I was going to say, yeah. mate, it must be the amount of games that he had more than 18. Yeah. Well, he had three more wins in nine less games. He had nine from 29. Okay. Wow. Okay. Now, this is probably your surprising one. Middle of the road, fifth place is Johan Boskamp, 35.3%. 18 wins from 51. And then fourth, fourth is Mark Hughes, 35.5%, so only 0.2% higher than Boskamp. Wow. So we 71 wins from 200 games for Hughes. And then Pulis is only 1% higher than Boskamp, 36.3%, 169 victories from 464 games. That's not too bad, to be fair. So in second place, with 40.16%, 49 wins from 122 games, is Michael O'Neill. That settles the Michael O'Neill in or out debate then. <laughs> exactly. He's 4% higher than Pulis. He's better than Hughes. He's better than all of these. He's you know, 9% better than Rowett. Bring Pulis back. No. <laughs> uh, and then obviously top of the shop, a good 10% clear wow. is good John Thordeson, 77 wins from 154 games. I remember seeing this one, though. It was it, He won 50, 50% of his games, didn't he? Yeah, bang on 50%. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I don't yeah. think you were miles, you know, how you worked out. You, yeah, you weren't too far away. Um, but, yes, I'm glad I did this because it shows all the uh, Mark O'Neill out people that, you know, in the grand scheme of things, he's not doing a bad job at all. But you wouldn't have thought of some back to manage. Uh, not now, no, but, uh, but he's another one I, I think he's sacked too soon. Yes, he was. Uh, to get promoted and get sacked was crazy. But The very next I day. Well, thanks for that, Dan. I think we're getting better, Andy. Yeah. We're, we're, we're we weren't too far out. We worse. weren't too far out there. Yeah, I'm keeping, I'm keeping it this time. <laughs> giving, you all, right. giving, you, giving all the listeners some pub ammo when they were the mates. 
Did you know that Mark O'Neill's got a 40.16% win percentage? <laughs> <laughs> Have that. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, also, 49 wins. So, he'd have to win number 50. How many games has he managed? 122. It's, re- it's fairly respectable, to be fair, compared to most managers. Yeah, 40%. Think over the course of a season. Yeah. Looking 18, 19 wins. Not bad. Yes, so I think that, that does it for this week, doesn't it? I believe so. Certainly oh, does. We... Let's hope we've got a bit more of a positive um, vibe next week. Vibe next week. I'm sure everyone's ready to just jump out of the window or something like that, but you've you got to call it how you see it at times, I think. That's, that's, just, that's just what it's all about. Indeed. Right, well, I guess I'll see your beautiful faces uh, next week. Bye-bye. Yes. You'll see my initials in your screen next week. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. Cheers, guys. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.